Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Right, that's it. I'm doing it. <laughs> what do you know? When I do the lights out gimmick and the lights come back on, I turn into a luchador. And if you're now saying, Simon, this is the stupidest thing you've ever done... <laughs> well, you must be a new viewer because it's definitely not. Hello, my name is El Millerino, and you have tuned in to the latest episode of Ups and Downs, this time for AEW Dynamite, where we take the temporary fist of power and we give the good bits up and the bad bits are down. And I'll just tell you this, aside from a couple of fumbles, this AEW Dynamite was absolutely tremendous. I love wrestling. I love Hurricane Ranas. Let's up those downs. <laughs> CM Punk versus Dark Penta was our opening match on Dynamite. And I absolutely love this formula. The crowd was nuts for both guys and Penta did his entrance where he pops up from a throne and he has a friend that's a vampire. And in the early going, they were just hitting the taunt button. When that failed, they decided to smash and spam the strike button instead because they were chopping the absolute shit out of each other. But this really was like somebody playing the video game for the first time. And in the early going, Punk actually went for the GTS, but Dark Penta too clever, and he reversed it into an ankle lock. And this was so smooth, I rubbed my bald head, because that's the smoothest part of my body. Then got a little bit of a story, because after Punk had gone for a dive and a hurricane run off the top rope, he injured his knee. And because Penta is all evil now, he was like, ha, 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 I'm going to jump all over that. I mean, honestly, if he could have ripped it off, he probably would have done. Punk was still able to hit a Frankensteiner, but his wound once again stopped him from going to the GTS. And this is when Penta thought to himself, well, I know what I can do. I can try and rip his arm off with my arm breaker, which is a perfectly normal way to think. Punk must have been watching tape, though, because instantly he reversed this into the Anaconda Vice. And then when they both got back to their feet, they were just wailing on each other once more. I mean, honestly, if you like violence, you've got to go watch this. Commentators the whole time, too, were reminding us that whoever does win here is going to have huge stakes in the world title program. Because you just know at some pay-per-view in 2022, CM Punk will challenge for that belt. And around about here is where it basically became, try your finish reverse, try your finish reverse, try your finish reverse. And while wrestling does do this a lot, when you get it right... It makes you feel good. As much as I do love Penta 2, there was no way that he was going to win here because the narrative is quite clear. So he quite literally jumped into the GTS eventually. Punk gave it to him. He got the 1-2-3. Every single fan in New Orleans got to their feet. And I totally understand why. Because it is getting it up. We then got this ridiculous skit 
where the Jericho Appreciation Society arrived in New Orleans on their private jet. But as Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz had told them, it is now on site, meaning if they ever see them, they will beat them up. So they turned up at the airport as they drove off in their car. 2.0 were on the floor and Kingston and his buddies had stole their shoes. But that's it. This one of the best feuds going and wrestling right now. The joy then kept on coming because the Jurassic Express were here to defend their tag team championships against Red Dragon. I mean, flub me sideways. The best part of all of this was that these fans totally believed that on this night, on this hour, in this ring, we may see a title change, so they just cheer for everything. And that energy came out of the TV. It smacked me in the head and I started going, oh man, maybe we will see a title change here because I'm a nerd. As it turned out, that didn't happen, but the seeds that we planted here, and also what a spectacle this was. Because not only did we see a man from the jungle, or a boy from the jungle, I should say, taking on a fish, we were also watching a dinosaur take on a human male. I mean, in what other form of entertainment are you going to see that? Jungle Boy was also so wound up, he hit around about 46,477 dies, but eventually Red Dragon was like, let's just move and he won't get us anymore. And that did work, but then Luchasaurus was like, okay, well now you're there, you're in my vision, and he smashed them with a moonsault. O'Reilly and Bobby are well drilled though, so eventually they were able to take control over Jungle Boy, but you don't do that because the World Tag Team Champions have a plan every time you do. He tagged in Luchasaurus, everyone went, oh my god, it's Luchasaurus, and he just did one of his wonderful hot tags. He just flew around the place before he hit another moonsault, and don't forget, this is a very large man, where he did actually turn around and tag back in Jungle Boy. So I can only presume that when he was on the outside, he was able to recharge his energy bar. This is also when things went bonkers because, my word, Bobby Fish and Jungle Boy were tangling on the top rope, which is when Kyle O'Reilly got involved. He then put a choke on Luchasaurus, which is when Bobby Fish went, give me the powers of the ocean, and he hit an avalanche falcon arrow over Luchasaurus and Kyle O'Reilly onto Jungle Boy on the floor. And I did this face. Because I couldn't believe what was happening. This seemed like the finish as well, but the dino broke up at the last second. And around about this time, ha, the tag klaxon went off. And if the craziness was already here, it went up to around about 900,072. And you honestly couldn't call this at one point because it was just going at such a frantic pace. But as it did turn out, the Jurassic guys hit the Thoracic Express, or however you say that word. They did get the win. And if you didn't stand up no matter where you were and give us a round of applause, then you weren't watching the right kind of match. I don't even know what that means. It was barely grammar, but I'm giving it up. We went into some building after this as well because straight away, Carl O'Reilly was back and he was just smashing everyone with a steel chair, which is when FTR came out from the back and they started looking at everybody. And don't forget, they have a bunch of tag team championships, so you have to presume this is all going to tie in. AEW's tag team scene is brilliant. We were then in the back with the Blackball Combat Club who had a few things to say. And essentially, they are going to be taking on the Gun Club, I think on Rampage or Dynamite next week. John Moxie was like, I don't really know who they are, but I don't like them. Wheeler Utah said he also understands that the work begins now, and he's totally right. The ball has been given to you, Wheels. Now it's time to run with it. Afterwards, we had a quick face-off as well between Tony Storm and J.B. Hater because we did learn that they are going to face off in the first round of the Owen Hart tournament. This was basically Jamie Hater going, ah, Tony Storm, you piece of crap, I hate you. I'm going to flush you down the toilet. And Tony just looked at her and was like, yeah, I don't really want to talk to you. So she left. It was then time for our weekly portion of shenanigans. But honestly, these shenanigans were so damn good. 
up. Because it was the latest nonsense between Sean Dean and MGF, and you just knew that the whole Wardlow situation was going to get injected in here, AEW did this so well, after it was done, I kind of felt like a better man. Once again, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it started with Maxwell being his usual dick stealth as he pretended he couldn't get out of his jacket, but this was a ruse just so he could attack Sean Dean. And eventually they started to fight on the outside. But this is when we cut to the big screen and a video of the back and all of MJF's security guards had been beaten up. And I wonder who could have done that. Of course it was Wardlow, you don't need to tell me. And as MJF was watching this, Wardlow appeared behind him like some kind of pantomime villain. He had the most wonderful expression on his face. Everybody went crazy. And when Friedman turned around and saw him, he sold it like this was the devil himself. Seriously, this is all coming together perfectly. Sean Spears also tried to hit Wardlow with a chair, but he no-sold that as somewhere on the internet somebody melt down. But honestly, I'd do twice as many of those spots. And even though a bunch of guards ran out to try and attack Wardlow, he just picked them up and threw them into the ring apron. However, at this stage, MGF realized, oh crap, the referee is counting me out. So he got on the microphone, he said, Bryce Rosberg, please, please don't do it. I will double your pay. And for around about 8.7 milliseconds, he thought about this. He did count out MGF, which I believe is the first one ever in Dynamite. MGF started to cry. Sean Dean got another fluke win. But somehow, this took every single person in this feud and got them over even better than they were. Maxwell also thought about wrecking the ref, but Spears was able to calm him down. And then we went to the back again, where Wardlow was just beating everybody up. And he grabbed the camera and was all like, let me out of my contract, MGF. Let me out of my contract. And I cannot wait to see these two fight. I cannot wait to see Wardlow win. And I cannot wait to see what Wardlow does next. This is like taking a thread and just doing wonderful sewing. I can't remember if I gave it an up, but of course it's going to get an up. This is yet another excellent wrestling program. We then got two completely random segments, because not only did we have a video with Darby Allen that ended going, yo, Andrade, do you want to do a coffin match? But we also had Malachi Black in like a dark room. And he was all like, hey, Fuego Del Sol, I want you to be scared of the shadows. I was like, okay, okie dokie. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. As Tony kind of promised beforehand, though, this episode of Dynamite was all about matches. So then we were straight into the Jericho Appreciation Society taking on Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. I mean, what are you going to do? Call the Ghostbusters. This was just a massive brawl to begin with because they all hate each other, although eventually Jake Hagar was in there and he was throwing bombs on Ortiz. But sooner rather than later, he got the tag to Eddie Kingston. Everybody lost their minds. This guy is so over, it's ridiculous. He just murdered some fools when Santana got in there and hit the three amigos, and of course that got a great reaction. And because Ortiz didn't want to be left out, he quite literally grabbed Daniel Garcia and threw him into Chris Jericho. Because why not? 2.0 then ran out, which made perfect sense because they probably wanted their shoes back, but they got dove on instantly. I just want to take this time to say, I love those two guys. They completely understand their roles. They completely get it. And one day, and I mean this, I hope they're tag team champions. There was always going to be some silliness here because we are at the start of the feud. So as soon as Eddie Kingston had missed his back fist, Jericho noticed the referee wasn't looking. He got Floyd the baseball back. He whammed him, which allowed Garcia to get the pin. And of course, they celebrate like they just won the the lottery but i'm just so invested in this i'm so enjoying it they're gonna come up with some kind of crazy stipulation match where eddie kinks and santana and ortiz go super duper nuts i can't wait up we also doubled down on this because afterwards jas murked them including jericho hitting the judas effect onto santana so watch this space. MJF was then freaking out backstage for obvious reasons, but because he had his lawyer Mark Sterling with him, they were all like, hey, you do basically own Wardlow, so you can put him in a match of your choosing. As it turned out, they're gonna use the butcher, and that's very nice of him, because they have to close his shop early. This is when the butcher <laughs> walked in and just went, ah. I was like, man, if people don't watch wrestling, they're not gonna understand. I think this dude is fantastic. It was then time for Marina Jafir to make her debut on Dynamite and she was taking on Sky Blue. I just want to say this. Can we stop jumping down people's throat? The internet is having a field day with this at the moment. But let's look at it this way. Did this work out as intended? Probably not. I mean, the crowd was so dead as they're not really into either characters. And we basically had a stars clash in the ring. I don't mean AJ's finishing move, I just meant they tried their best, but it didn't really work. It was essentially a squash match too, with Shafir hitting a thrust kick and eventually choking Sky Blue out. And there was some sort of other things going on here because we had Jade Cargill's baddie section in the crowd and who was very noticeably on camera sitting there 
was Red Velvet and Kira Hogan, so I guess they're going to join Jade. Cargill and Mark Sterling was also watching on front backstage, so eventually we'll do this match. But let's just give Marina Shafir some time. Like, I'm a professional wrestler, and this is a huge deal. I've wrestled in front of 100 people and got there after my match and gone, man, I absolutely screwed up. And I'm not saying she did that, but patience is a virtue, and I would rather err on the side of caution than come out with the daggers like so many people do. I mean, we do still have to give it a down, because like I say, it didn't work, but I bet in like four, five, six months time, we'll be looking back and going, well, what do we know? We then did this massive 180, because we went from a former MMA fighter to some of the most weird shib I've ever seen in my life. Because Hook was backstage again, just minding his own business, when Tony Nese and Mark Sterling arrived, and they were all like, we don't like you, Hook, probably because he's really dreamy and they're not. This is when Dan Housen just popped in again and tried to curse everyone, and maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I'm never 100% sure, and if you want more from Dan Housen, make sure you check out my interview with him right here on the channel but I laughed all the way through this. I just, I'm so happy that wrestling could be this goofy. And on, you know, on the down low, if wrestling could always be goofy, I'd be well into it. But I'm taking this fist of power and I'm giving it up. We then learned that we we're going to get Scorpio Sky versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title down the line because the men of the year and Dan Lambert here were just yelling at us. When it was time for a tag team match, I've been looking forward to for ages. For it was Powerhouse Hobbs teaming up with Ricky Starks to take on Swerve Stricken and Keith Lee. And honestly, they took this and they did not disappoint. The crowd just lost it, especially for Starks, because he was in our hometown. And our first pairing was Powerhouse Hobbs taking on Swerve. Now, you're going to be shocked to hear, and you may want to sit down for this, that Hobbs was able to get the upper hand because he used his power. He then did tag in Ricky Starks. And honestly, this guy must have had the time of his life Everybody cheered like mad. Henry Strickland also went at it and he was able to get the tag to Keith Lee after he hit a drop kick. All you need to know is this. At one point, Team Taz was on the outside, Keith Lee was on the apron, and Swerve Strickland was on the top rope. So Swerve, as this as if this is a perfectly easy thing to do, jumped off the top rope onto Keith Lee's chest, you are hearing me correctly, and he dove onto Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Stark. I did this for like 20 minutes. It's like, who came up with that? And how the hell did he pull it off? Keith was then doing leapfrogs as well as beeling Starks right into Hobbs as Swerve Strickland then got back in there as they were doing all these cool double team moves. But then from nowhere, Ricky Starks hit a spear. He hit a flipping DDT. This was ace. It didn't laugh as Swerve then threw Starks into a Keith Lee pounce. And I was just laughing at this point because it was so entertaining. And at this juncture is when we teamed Powerhouse facing off with Keith Lee. And I really like the fact that AEW has held off on that because when we get that one-on-one -on -one match, I'm going to be ready. Given that it wasn't going too well for his boys, this is when Taz came to the ring and he got a big ECW chant. And after Ricky Starks had the pin, do you know how Swerve Strickland broke it up? By doing a 450. And as ever, that's like skydiving to your local shop when you want some bread, but it is damn cool. Around this time, Taz went into full panic mode and he noticed the referee wasn't watching, so he grabbed Keith Lee's foot. That meant he turned around into the big spine buster from Powerhouse Hobbs. Hobbs got the one, two, three. Everybody continued to cheer for Ricky Starks, and this was just a good time. Like, I've been invited out on dates and not enjoyed myself as much as watching this. We then had a quick backstage segment with the AEW Women's Champion and my new best friend, Thunder Rosa. And if you're now saying to yourself, Simon, what are you talking about? Well, you can go to Thunder Rosa's YouTube channel and see me on her taco vlog. 
And yes, I don't know how that happened either. Life can be crazy. Lala Rose and Vicky Guerrero did find her though, and they had a gift for her, which was a cake celebrating the fact that she is going to have the shortest title reign in history. They then started to fight and the cake went into Nyla Rose's face. I just want to point out, everybody was really funny here, especially Nyla Rose. She has such good one-liners. And in this like two-minute segment, they got me ready for their match. Good stuff. To end this ludicrous Dynamite 2, our main event, I ain't kidding you, was for the Ring of Honor TV title. And it was Minoru Suzuki taking on Samoa Joe. I mean, we are living in a pretty good timeline. All they did to start with was chop the hell out of each other, and the fans were reacting like this was Hulk Hogan The Rock from WrestleMania 18. Just go and watch this and look at Samoa Joe's face or feel his energy. He is clearly having such a good time, you love to see it. I was dying because when they were done with the chops, they just switched to forearms as they tried to take each other's head off. And at one point, Samoa Joe took down Suzuki with a tackle. And I was like, Samoa, you don't do that. That's like slapping Santa Claus. So surprise, surprise, seconds later, Suzuki was hanging over the ropes with Samoa Joe's arm as he tried to rip it off. He also just booted Samoa Joe at one point as if wrestling isn't predetermined. And this is when we made it very clear that who was watching on from ringside? It was Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal. This soon matched our first match too because Samoa Joe kept going for muscle busters and Suzuki kept going for gotch pile drivers. But Samoa Joe is so big, it didn't look like Suzuki was going to do it. So instead, they just started chopping each other again. Eventually, Samoa Joe was able to hit the muscle buster. He got the one, two, three. He became the Ring Honor TV champion for the first time. I'm just going to give this match an up. Nothing I can say can do it justice. It was just... Two great professional wrestlers being great. Turned out we were going to end with a twist though, because when we were done, Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal got on a microphone and they were like, hi, Samoa Joe, we've got you a gift. And they had a box. And when they took the lid off, it was just Jay Lethal flipping him off. A little bit like, you know, thingy in a box. This is when the lights went off though. So if you have watched the show before, you know I got super duper excited because that's my favorite gimmick in the world. Although when they turned back on, Everybody was confused. Because this huge man was just stood there, and as the commentators told this, this was Satnam Singh, a former basketball player who has been training under Sanjay Dutt. Now, honestly, he is massive like crazy, and because this is professional wrestling, after everyone had beaten up Samoa Joe, he took his hands and he tried to crush his brain. And I love this, because the insinuation is he's so large, he's gonna be able to crush someone's skull. I mean, that would never happen, but I'm happy to believe it. Jay also hit the lethal injection as the show came to an end. Here's the thing. I like that AEW treats everybody as a big deal because you don't treat people as a big deal. Your audience is going to turn around and go, well, I don't think that person is a big deal. The problem is we have turned the lights off so many times in AEW and then turned them back on and a really recognizable star is there that when you don't do it and your audience is baffled, well, the angle does kind of fall flat. That's still not a bad thing because now we can build from here that he has been introduced. But I do understand the disappointment. This episode of AEW Dynamite was so good, you wanted to end with a bang kind of ended with a fizzle. I still think we should give it a few months because as said earlier, AEW has earned our trust to show they can get away from this. But in terms of the show itself and within the context it was presented to us, of course, it just has to get it down because people were upset, maybe for an understandable reason. As it turned out too, apparently AEW did do this because they want to sort of make inroads into India and that's smart. It's only going to help cement the business. And all that matters is this. Even with all the craziness, when you get to the end of the day and we give it an overall up or an overall down, 
it gets neither of those because it's getting a golden up. Seriously, there was like four matches on this show that could have been on a pay-per-view. And when all was done, I felt like a very satisfied wrestling fan.